Welcome to Growth Mindset University. I'm your host, Jordan Paris, and this show is all about learning the lessons we should have learned in school but did not, so that we can succeed in the progressive new age of business and life we find ourselves in today. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on, because school is now in session. I am extremely grateful that you are here with me today on Growth Mindset University. Two times per week, we have interviews with the best of the best. New York Times bestselling authors, billionaires, the like, the most successful people in the world, people like Mark Manson, Naveen Jain, James Altucher, so many more. And I don't want you to miss these interviews. So go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening right now. One of my favorite things is when you reach out to our guests that we have on the show. So for example, if you enjoy today's guest, please reach out to them. Tell them that you enjoyed today's episode. Send them that token of gratitude. Like, look, I heard John Jordan's show and it was so good. This really impacted me. If you do this with every guest, you're going to start building a world-class network in record time. This is how I built my network. So this is just another way I'm looking to give back to you here. Just give you this little tip. So reach out to our guest today. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. My guest today is Robin Shulman. In 2018, LinkedIn named her the number one top voice in education. She is the founder of The Education Magazine, Ed News Daily, an education media outlet and resource that provides education support and information for parents, students, teachers, and school administrators alike. She also teaches entrepreneurs, high school and college-age students how to use and grow on LinkedIn. In 2012, Jeff Weiner and LinkedIn shared her transitional career story. They also featured her work in their 200 million member announcement, and she's written various articles for the company. She's been a part of LinkedIn's beta testing and advisory for over seven years. In 2016, they named her as someone to follow with LinkedIn's influencers in education. As an education journalist, you can find her writing for Forbes, covering the intersection of education and entrepreneurship. She's been featured in various publications such as the aforementioned Forbes, Entrepreneur, Fox News, Edutopia, The Huffington Post, Influensive, and many more. Today, she continues to work with students, teachers, and education entrepreneurs, influencers, and startups. She is also in the midst of launching a program called Your Life School, which I've gotten a sneak peek of. It's pretty cool. For high school and college-age students, so they can learn life skills to complement their academic education. Robin Shulman, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So Robin, education is something that we obviously like talking about here on Growth Mindset University, something we've talked about with Don Wetrick, of course, Jeremy Miller, James Altucher, so many, uh, Naveen Jain. Like we, we talk about this all the time, and we both share this common cause that we both care so much about. And I think it's important to note that neither of us, I can speak for both of us confidently saying that neither of us are anti-education, even though with some of the things that I say out on LinkedIn, uh, it may seem like that, but obviously I'm for education and 
you know, I just think things need to change and evolve a little bit because nothing has evolved in the past 150 years. So Robin, where, but we'll get started here. Where did your career be in education begin? My career in education actually began probably on my sidewalk when I was a little girl. Um, I wanted to be a teacher for many years and I used to play teacher on my block with uh, all my friends. I had a little you know, a little pretend chalkboard and some old chalk from a garage sale. And, um, but I went into teaching. I became a teacher, a certified teacher. I taught fourth grade, sixth grade, middle school, English as a second language and, um, higher education. I taught adult ESL and I worked in higher education. I was the first graduate advisor for National Lewis University. I launched the um, master's in education advisory program there. Um, which was a great success. So my my background in education is, you know, very well-rounded from, you know, K-12 all the way through higher education. Mm-hmm. And when, when along the way did you start to think that, hmm, we could probably improve this system? Probably my second year teaching, which was in the 90s. Um When No Child Left Behind came out, we had, you know, I can remember sitting there and listening to my principal and she was saying, you know, how we had to bring up certain test scores and everything was about test scores. And I instinctively felt like, no, it's not about test scores. It's about the whole child. And um, it was kind of an upsetting time for me because I think it took away a lot of my creativity in my classroom. And so that's kind of when I started feeling like, this is not good. You know, I, this was like in the, this was around the nineties, mid nineties. And, you know, we didn't have the internet. It was just kind of coming out. And I was one of the first ones to actually use the internet in my class. And you probably don't know, but there used to be a search engine called Ask Jeeves. And it was one of the first search engines that came out. And I was teaching a class curriculum, something we were doing about music. And we were playing, I was able to play music. And, and the thing that was interesting is actually, my first teaching job was with my, was actually at the school I attended and I took my third grade teacher's position who I, yeah. So it was kind of interesting. So, um, when No Child Left Behind came out and just kind of going back to that story, the music story of playing these different genres for my class. And, um, I brought a lot of creativity. I was one of like one of the most creative teachers in my classroom and parents were asking for me. And when that happened, um, that, kind of was stolen from me. Um, we, you know, teachers don't have their, the ability to actually, you know, we get a big stack from the state of Illinois, um, you know, the guidelines and standards and everything we have to meet in a certain time. Um, but when No Child Left Behind came out, it was kind of much more of a steer toward, you know, there's always standardized testing, um, but it was much more geared toward, you've got to bring up, you know, these test scores and, so we can get funding. And that's kind of when I felt right there at that moment. I'm like, this is, we're going in the wrong direction. Um, it's not about test scores. It's about the kids and um, the whole child. And so that was when, that's when my trigger for that feeling started, which, so that was a long time ago. And you say that standardized testing needs to go away because it's not a true representation of a student. So how do we get a true representation of a student 
and, and measure their success? How, what should the yardstick be here? Uh, you know, I, I think it's all really kind of personal for every teacher. You spend a year, you know, and we have different things in education called a formative assessment and a summative assessment. And, um, you know, there's many different ways of teaching. I, I like to, I think you can measure a student in a whole year by project-based learning and project-based learning really puts kind of the student in the driver's seat and the teacher as the guide. Um, and that's how I taught for a long time. So I, I felt in my heart of hearts that students just, you know, kind of remembering information and then just spitting it back out on a test was not a true measurement of their talents or abilities. And it was literally the first thing I would say at every parent teacher conference. Um, this, you know, this third grade or fourth grade uh, standardized test, um, I would always say this is not a true measurement of the ability of your child. This is a snapshot. Um, and there's so many things to keep in mind, you know, that maybe the child was having a bad day or was hungry, um, wasn't interested in the topic. So I always used to, I was always kind of an advocate for making parents realize that you know, the true snapshot and the true assessment of your child is all the growth we see over the course of the year. And that can be from many different parts of the of the student. It can be through, you know, watching their own personal development, through different projects they lead, um, looking at their personality, um, their growth in that way, and kind of just standing back and seeing how they're doing. Um, I, that's what I was always a proponent of. I'm not a big proponent of grades and testing and any of and any of that. I never felt that there was a there was any real value. Um, you know, when you're assessing ongoing, because we do assessment, you know, through the year. So you could kind of catch where someone might be having a problem, you know, if it's reading or something. And those were tests and stuff that we were able to create as teachers ourselves. Um, so I think these little tiny things that teachers build themselves or like quizzes and stuff. Um, you, you watch a child grow from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And if you're lucky, you can end up having those kids again, which I did. I had some fourth graders and then they looped up to sixth grade when we had a transition in our school district. So, you know, I, I really believe in looking at the whole child. And I think over, you know, the snapshot of a nine month period, a teacher can really tell whether a student is succeeding and where a student shines and so I think those are ways of measuring um, a student. I believe with every fiber of my being that grades are an illusion, mm -hmm. with the definition of illusion being a false idea or belief. I believe grades fit that bill. What do you say? I absolutely agree with you. They're an illusion. They are a temporary way of looking at a piece of paper and saying piece of paper did this kid yeah did this kid basically have has have they memorized all of these terms or dates or facts and okay so what so they did they did or didn't it's i don't there's no measurement um about what that student is capable of regarding that kind of you know using a grade i i was never a proponent of grades either so it's really interesting that you you say that cuz you know, measurement, you know, there's a lot of big companies in education like Pearson and they're all, they're all looking to make money off of, you know, kids. And so they implement these, they make partnerships with uh, public school districts and school districts buy them. And it's an, 
not a broken system because it's working the way it's supposed to work, the way it worked years ago, you know, during, you know, when it was time for like the industrial age, it worked then because um, the goals were different, but it doesn't work today. It's not needed today in that same reflection or trajectory. Uh, are young people being misled in that getting this piece of paper, this degree is going to bring them everything and then some like you, you have to you have to get this piece of paper in order to be successful would you agree that that narrative is being uh for more or less being dispelled to our young people and and is it uh is it factual is is this narrative ac accurate it's not accurate anymore maybe 20 years ago I, I mean i can tell you when i graduated this is probably one of my most passionate topics um i would say for anybody that's going into a service type of, you know, role, let's say you're going to nursing or you want to be a doctor, of course you have to have training. There's no doubt. But the, you know, the story of you walking in, you know, I, you know, and I see this in my daughter's school, you know, get the best grades, you know, take all these AB classes, um, do all this leadership, do all of these sports. Um, the kids don't have time to breathe. And get into the best college and then you'll get the best job. That narrative does not fit our society anymore. Um, I think they said by 2020, 40 to 50% is going to be gig, the gig economy. So that narrative um, does not align with what's going on in the world. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, prestigious and different high schools being able to say, well, we send A, and A, B, and C, all these students to this school. And we send all these students to this school because there's a political, you know, there's a political place and face in education. So that narrative, um, I agree with you, that narrative is not a true narrative anymore. And it makes me very sad and it makes me very upset because, I mean, I can tell you next door, we have two kids who are in their 30s and they're living at home and they're driving for driving for Lyft and they have not gotten off the ground. And it, and the story with the student loans, um, sad. so sad. I mean, you're literally coming out six feet under and it's horrifying. And the, and I also think another thing is the, the story about going away to college, you know, there's so much, it's so different now than when I was growing up. Um, we have a, also the generation now is a little bit, Brain-wise, um, they're not emotionally or socially prepared, really, for that environment. Um, so those are concerns as well. Um, we have a lot of kids that go away and come home by Thanksgiving to stay. Um, I think it's overwhelming to go from, you know, living at home and kind of having, you know, your parents around and, you know, in this routine to walking into a place where you don't know anybody and you're so highly influenced and you know, that you're willing pretty much to do anything to fit in. I don't think kids that go away to school are emotionally mature enough to do so. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of depression. Um, I think that's why we're seeing a lot of suicide. Um, and I think, I think it's a massive problem. It's very concerning for me because I'm seeing it here where I live. Um, I don't know if you heard about that college scandal. Of course. That's where I live. <laughs> The recent one, the recent one where the parents are giving their kids up for giving their custody of their kids up so they could get free money. That's literally two 
It's like the next um, neighborhood over from me. And when this happened, this literally just came out. Um, they're giving away custody of their children so that their children could be applying for college and get, you know, fast fund money for free. So basically, the, and these are rich people. And I live in the middle class area. These are highly, highly wealthy people. And I'm talking about people who live in estates. Um, when this came out, I was kind of shocked. And I was thinking, are these some of the people I know? Um, but that list hasn't come out yet. So I do think people are going to extremes to send their kids to college. And I think a lot of it also has to do with parental, a parental vision of themselves and how they look to the world with their kids. Um, I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, you just hit the nail on yeah. the head. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it's a massive tragedy. Yeah. It's, it's about how the parents look. Oh, jeez. Yes, yes. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's a. It's almost more of how the parents look because be, the thing is, you're 16, 17, 18. You just don't have enough life experience to know what you want to do. It's just a fact. I mean, none of us, I didn't into 16. I knew I wanted to be a teacher and that was, I'm a unique case because of something that happened when I was young. Um, you know, just growing up the way I did and I wanted to give back. But I think most kids don't know what they want to do at that age. And um I think the reflection of parents and saying, you know, my kid goes to ABC or my kid goes to Yale or my kid goes here. I think that's such a major problem, um, you know, because a lot of the kids like where my daughter goes to high school, they're going to go off to U of I and, you know, and there's going to be pictures, oh, you know, all of them all over Facebook and the proud parents. Well, are the kids happy? Do the kids want to go there? Do the kids want to do, you know, what their parents are kind of pushing them to do? And they're exhausted. They're tired from working so hard to try and get into the school. And it's not the path that they want. No one's asked them what they want. They're not thinking for themselves. Exactly. And I I think so many, so many people that I know are are falling into this this trap of just doing like they're on autopilot. autopilot. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote an article about that even. (laughs) Oh no way! Yes, because we all are on autopilot. I think a lot, and I agree with you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, we said that at the same time. So yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Autopilot of the the story of doing A B C D E of what society expects from you. Um, and if you go out of that, you know that little box. Well, then you're just like this horrible parent or, and, and I think it's terrible. It's terrible because it's the child that's going to suffer. It's the child that suffers. Yeah. And, and I, I'll say I was certainly on autopilot coming out of high school mm-hmm. and, and where going to college was the only option because, because, right. and this is something that Don Wetrick and I talked about and Jeremy Miller and I talked about where it is certainly a good thing to do a thing, create a thing, put something out there and see how people react while you are in high school so that when you graduate high school, you now all of a sudden have options and you're not 100% dependent on like, oh, I guess I have to go to college because that's I have nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. That's what Jeremy Miller, that's that's Jeremy Miller, he did things in high school and he had options mm-hmm. coming out of school where Look at him. He didn't go. I know. He didn't go to school, and he's my age. And, and I didn't have. I didn't have anything going on for me. I, I didn't have anything going on till, you know, the end of my freshman year of, uh, of college, where I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. 
suspicious. I don't think I should. Uh, I don't know that being in school is exactly beneficial to me. And and, and going back to the narrative, the narrative, I'll take it a step. I'll go to take it a step further. That going to school, go to the whole go to school, get a job narrative. Mm. Until you question that, you will be a poor person. And I am a hundred percent confident in saying that. I absolutely agree with you. I totally agree with you. And you know what? Higher education right now is kind of in a world, I guess you could say like a whirlwind, like a tornado right now. Everything is kind of spinning because, you know, what higher education used to be and what it was actually meant for um, doesn't, you know, it was really like at the beginning, it was like for the, you know, the people who were going to theology, men who were going to theology, like women didn't go, um, what it, how it had started, um, what, the reasons were different was for these great thinkers to come together and, um, it was the whole basis and platform, um, of college was for, you know, learning how to talk, debate, philo- you know, philosophize, um, talk about philosophy, um, all of these, you know, these big questions about the world. And now we're kind of in this tornado where, okay, now we've got to, you know, ramp it up and make it applicable because, you know, so many colleges have closed, um, applicable for job placement. And so you have this kind of, tug of war going on inside of higher ed because it's very hard to move it. It's hard to change it. Just like K-12, they're both, both of those um, industries are very hard to change. Um, So you have this whirlwind going on. And right now is a really particularly scary time. um, When you, when you think about it, when you think about that narrative, because just looking at what's happening when kids are either coming home or not finishing, it's not working anymore and the the story is false the story is false false it's false and if no one is telling you different um outside of your four four walls of high school and your parents aren't because your parents are so busy um you're not gonna know and that's like the saddest and most scary thing is that uh i was just talking to a girl um she came back and she, she was in her it was her first year she was here midterm and she had said, I wanted to go into teaching. And I, I took my first class and I realized I couldn't be responsible for 30 kids. So now she's, you know, she took all these classes first semester going toward teaching and realized she doesn't want to do it. So now she's already in debt, all that money for classes that she doesn't even want. So, you know, um, that narrative, um, you're almost walking in blindly, I feel like. Um, without a realization of understanding why you're there, what you're doing there, um, and how it's going to benefit you. What is going to be your return on investment? And will it be worth it or not? You know, again, like I said, if you're going into something that requires training, of course, it's important. You have to go. Um, Because you have to, if you're going to be a surgeon, you have to learn. You have to learn how to do that. Um, But there's some parts of, you know, college that I think are beneficial regarding when I don't, I don't not, I'm not relating this to cost. The things that I think are beneficial are the people that you can meet, the networking and the learning how to communicate and have discussions, deep discussions, problem solve. Those types of things can come out of almost any class if you have the right teacher. And those are skills that a lot of our kids are lacking. So um, from that regard, I think that a learning community or people coming together, and it doesn't even have to be in college, but people coming together to talk um, and debate and critically think and problem solve, those are all amazing things that come out of learning. 
Absolutely. And here's something. Here's a statistic from the Washington Post. Only 20% of 27% of college grads have a job related to their major. And 62%, only 62% of college grads have a job that actually requires a college degree. I will do my best to put that in the show notes for this episode at jordanparis.com and you just hit the search icon and Mm -hmm. search robin's name and it will likely most likely be there sometimes i mess up but but uh once i (laughs) once i hear this (laughs) after the first day of this episode released it'll be there for sure um so anyway uh my question with that is you know how do we help make our kids uh help our kids make informed decisions before getting into these massive piles of debt that lead nowhere that's a great question. Um, and I, I, I would say this. I, I, my former high school, um, Maine East, where I graduated, the superintendent there, uh, the change that he is bringing, he, he almost reminds me of Don in a certain way. He is leading an initiative where juniors and seniors, he partnered with 700 businesses in the local area. And he's leading an initiative where the juniors and seniors there have the opportunity to literally shadow um, any given profession that they're interested in. And then he has a program with the teachers and the coaches where they, you know, they do it. It's a whole, I don't know what, um, like what software tool they use, but it's a full like map of the student by, by their personality, their interests, um, what they like, what jobs they shadow, where they went, what they did, and then certain colleges to match and the ROI that they're going to get. So he's literally put into place a full exposure program before students are making these uninformed decisions. So I truly think it has to come from there. It has to come where students are exposed to these different opportunities and understanding what it's like to be an accountant all day what it's like to be a nurse all day, what it's like to be this all day, because they don't have that experience. And so what he's doing is providing them with all of these opportunities to meet and shadow and learn from all of these different um, leaders in their fields. And they're like, you know, maybe I loved accounting, but it's not for me. I can't sit at a desk all day. I didn't realize that that's what it would be like. Um, And then they're plugging all of this into the system and they're looking at different things that students like or don't like and trying to find the places. And it could it doesn't have to be a college. It could be a trade school. It could be, you know, it could be whatever is the best fit for them, plus the ROI and how they're going to get, you know, the their money's worth where they're putting it. So it has to come from there, but it has to also come from parents. And that <laughs> getting that narrative out is difficult. And getting parents to understand that is difficult. Um, because they're still coming from a place where they're following that narrative. And they're also, again, coming from the place where it's my kid. I got to say my kid went to University of Illinois. Um, so there's, you know, those two places. So the, the way that it has to, you know, be broadcasted and where the turn and the shift has to come, it has to come from the high schools and it has to come from the parents. Everyone's kind of got to be on the same page and say, hey, we have to expose our kids to these opportunities and let them test the waters on these things before they jump into these, you know, hundred thousands of dollars of debt um, and wasted time and energy um, because 
Wasted time is the big thing I'm yeah. suffering with right now. <laughs> Wasted time. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And, and you feel like you want those, those years to be, you know, applicable and you want those years to be really, they're really um, important years because like the biggest years of growth, like right before your brain turns into like a full adult at 25. Um, because you, you cannot make an informed decision at 18 about you just don't have the brain neurology. No, you don't. You just you listen, and, and, and you're trained to listen because right, you've been doing and, and it all those years. We're we're essentially. I, I think it was James Altucher that, that that told it that said it to me. Like eighteen, the brain is not even fully developed. Like we're right. we're we're essentially like forcing mentally like handicapped people to like make these decisions right. and pull out a hundred thousand dollars or oh, okay okay not a hundred thousand dollars i get it whatever right. sometimes it is though twenty five thousand dollars in in a, a, a student loan mm-hmm. and they have and and they have without any questions asked these people want to pull out a, a get a student loan not a single questions asked like yeah you got it but if you want to get a business loan hell to the no you are not getting it <laughs> it's you know what it's really true you know i i don't know who was talking to like last year we were laughing i said you know at 17 or 18 you're you're a senior in high school you still got to raise your hand to go to the bathroom but here on the other end now now next month you want to make an entire life decision that's going to affect you my my daughter's teacher just said he's he just turned i think 40 he just finished paying off his student loans I mean, this is insanity. That's insane. I mean, that's insanity. This $1,600 a month. You know, that to me, this the saddest thing ever, ever. Um, so Did you say you say $1,600 per month? What, yes, what? he was paying $1,600 a month. <laughs> and he's just, he's 40. He's 40. And, you know, for I'll take, me, a, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take two Porsches. Yeah. I'll take that instead. Let me get that. Right. So you, you think, you know, he went through all of this. And, and it's still, it's not to, you know, diss college, but it's, it's to say, you know, at, at 18, you aren't mentally really capable of making, you know, that kind of decision, a life-changing decision with rationality. And so basically it's a, it's the parents and the school um, who have not changed the story. And I kind of don't understand why, because, um... I don't want my, you know, my daughter coming home, you know, going away to school or whatever and coming home, can't find a job sitting home in my basement depressed. I, I don't want that. And that's what's happening. And I don't know why parents aren't speaking up more or realizing this. Um, I think they are realizing and I just don't think they want to talk about it in public and it's embarrassing. It's about how they look. So I guess that's probably why <laughs> would be one of the yeah. reasons. Yeah. But it well, is... Mm-hmm. It is. It's sad. It's a. I'm very passionate about it. Like Don, I. I just. Yeah. Some kids. Are, it's meant like. But you know, there's a there's a doctor, an emergency room doctor. He's one of the top voices on LinkedIn as well. Um, you should follow him. I, I have to look up his name again. Um, you know, he writes about. I think he wrote an article like why college is the most dangerous place for your student. Like, um, because emotionally, they're, they're emotionally, socially, eighteen year olds are not ready to be thrown into that kind of environment. They're just not, they're just not this, you know, the stories that he was telling me, the medical stories and the questions that the students were asking about what's safe and not safe. And the, the, the kids that have passed away in his presence. Um, and he said, it's just getting worse. So um, they're not socially or emotionally mature enough to be 
thrown into that environment either. That's also a concern as well. Big time. Yeah. Big time. We're, we're going to put a bow on education before we move on to our next thing. Sure. What closing, you know, do you have anything more to say on education? Maybe something like, maybe something that makes us feel good. Listen to your, <laughs> listen to your kids. I would say, listen to your kids, let them follow their instincts, um, guide them, you know, don't pressure them to be something that you want them to become. So you look good or to try and fulfill your dreams, but listen to them because their feelings are valid, important, and crucial to their health and well-being. Yep. Now, Robin, I know you and I were really excited to talk about this today and it's the word <laughs> influencer i say influencer what do you think what do you say gross what does it make gross. you gross <laughs> yeah um uh yeah it's just ick um i think yeah i, I think it's got a very negative connotation now and i yeah I, I don't like it i really don't like it um it's not part of my vocabulary yeah, and we see people, and you could very well call yourself an influencer, Robin. You have over 200,000 followers on LinkedIn alone, so and, and you, you have tons of engagement. And But there are people, it's so funny, on, on, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, I'll say even like for, for LinkedIn in specific, like, like, gosh, they're getting, you know, maybe they're getting good engagement on, on posts and they legitimately like think that they're famous. Like I'm, the term LinkedIn famous is becoming like, oh really? A, 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 like I've heard. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, you're, you're not like nobody actually cares. No. And even, Robin, even for me, like I am, I'm one of those people. I get like a ton, I get a ton of engagement. I get a ton of people mm -hmm. that love my stuff. But at the end of the day, like, Maybe I'm a pessimist a little bit, but I'm like, they do not care. They will not remember my post a minute even after after they see my post. Like they, nobody cares. And and there's so many times too, where you know I see people people have in their minds that like they they're thinking that their video everyone's watching till the till the very end they're getting all these tens of thousands of views and they're like oh my god i'm so, i'm like famous and i'm gonna i'm gonna call myself an influencer be the self-proclaimed influencer which i hate and uh but but i'll tell you i mean yeah it might say twenty thousand views on a video but how many of those are watching more than uh you know more than six seconds and how many of those are turning the volume on mm -hmm. uh very 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 few, a, a marginal portion. Uh, a, a, I don't even think you want to know. I, I have no idea, but I, I don't think you would want to know. It's, it's probably really bad. So, so I, th those are my thoughts on, um, yeah, <laughs> on that. I think it's, I think it's kind of, uh, I think it's kind of bad. What's, what's going on 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 LinkedIn? Like, there's, I think LinkedIn is great. It's done so much for me, but I think there's also this toxic mindset of it that's uh, not good for our culture uh of, of you know it's the the race to be famous is on i you know what I, I totally agree with you and you know my story with linkedin is very unusual um i just to kind of you know step back for a second yeah. regarding that term um 
So I, I just kind of wanted to share my LinkedIn story because what you said is so critical. You know, somebody actually sent me a postcard and it was, they made it. And it was a picture of a guy at a desk holding his phone and somebody walking out. And under it, they wrote, oh my gosh, Robin Schulman accepted your LinkedIn request. <laughs> and when I read that and I looked at it and I thought, I've never like been this self, like my, my feeling about the word influencing, we are influencing people every minute. I have an influence on my daughter. I have an influence when I was teaching. It's not about me. Um, it's not about, Hey, look at me. And I can't stand that thought process. And I don't like that people have seen me and still approach me in that light. Um, people think that like, I'm some famous person and I don't want to be that famous person. See, to me, when I write, I, I wrote here, for example, I wrote an article on Forbes. Um, and it's actually about Don's class. Um, I think it was the first one I wrote. And a principal reached out to me and he had said, I saw your story on Forbes. I'm changing my entire school. And when I get emails like that, um, that's influence to me. That's, I changed somebody's life and I'm changing an entire school's life. Um, that's influence. That doesn't need to be shouted from the, from the rooftops. And it doesn't have to be about me, right? It's not about me. It's about what I've added and how I'm changing people's lives. It has nothing to do with me or look at me. And so I hear what you're saying. Um, and I just wanted to kind of go over my story with LinkedIn because people treat me this way and I'm not this way. I'm very humble and I don't, I don't look at myself like that. I'm a teacher. I want to give, and I've always been that way, but you know, I have a unique story with LinkedIn and, um, I'll just kind of share it really quickly. Yes. Um, I joined LinkedIn in 2007 and in 2011, um, my job was switched out and I chose not to stay at it. Um, at National Lewis because it was a job I literally built. And um, I was kind of lost after I left that job. And I went on LinkedIn and I started, that's when groups were really big. I started, was looking for people to talk about academics with. And so I got really active in there in the groups because there were a lot of like superintendents and principals and I was craving that, that conversation. Um, and then I started like writing, I was always a writer my whole life. And I started sharing some of my stuff in the groups and some of the people at LinkedIn took notice. And this was prior, this was in 2012. So LinkedIn was a very quiet place then. Um, so some of the people took notice and before they had Pulse, it was LinkedIn Today. That was their magazine. And so, yeah. And so Daniel Roth, who is the exec, he's literally been my writing mentor. I have to give him due credit. Um, he's the executive editor of LinkedIn. And when they had, what they had was LinkedIn Today, and then they moved to Pulse, and then they acquired SlideShare. And so while they were growing, um, I was kind of growing personally too. And I made this really um, like cheesy deck <laughs> called, um, I think it was like 10 ways LinkedIn changed my life in a year. And Jeff, I put it up on Jeff Wiener's feed because um, I wanted to say thank you because I was in like a kind of a dark place. I was I'm like, who am I? You know, I was like in this self-identity place. I put it up on his feed and in five minutes, LinkedIn called me and it was crazy. I, I They did like the story on me and then I became, um, I was part of their, you know, all these different press releases and I was like the face of the all hands on deck meeting. Like this is the member, how we want people. You know, they were just, I said, thank you in this deck and I kind of shared like 
how it changed my life. And so I, since I had become, they had these different um, initiatives, since I had become like this face, I guess you could say there, they asked me to participate in tons of their beta testing. So I had the follow button in 2016 before anyone else did. I had, you know, cause I was beta testing all this stuff for them and giving them feedback and working with them. And they had this um, other thing they invited me to call like LinkedIn um, insiders. And this was just providing feedback. It's now an advisory type of um, program that I'm part of, but my whole journey here and in, my following was built because they featured me with the education influencers. And that's how my following was built. I didn't set out to build a following. I didn't yeah, know. You, you yeah. didn't set out to no. be hashtag LinkedIn famous. No, that's no, no. Yeah, absolutely not. That's, I mean, what, that's what I thought. I didn't, exactly. No, I mean, I was a teacher. I'm like, I didn't even know what the word personal brand. I didn't know any of that stuff. I mean, like this, I was coming from the classroom. I didn't know anything about marketing yourself or, you know, I was just, being authentically me and trying to share stuff, you know, in from academia world. And so, um, LinkedIn famous, no, was never my intention. You know, you couldn't, there was no follow button. It was just, you would make connections. Um, so then they launched the follow button and it kind of turned into this place now where you're, where it's almost comparative, just like you said to the Instagram. Um, I mean, it's, it's an amazing place still. I have to say it's literally changed my life. 100% because the opportunities I've, that have come to me through people saying my work um, have been life-changing. But the LinkedIn famous piece, no. And I think that has a lot to do with people just, you know, the insecurity, um, the dopamine the you know, that you get. I don't get it. I honestly don't. And maybe this is because I'm older. Um, I don't get that. Like, if people read my stuff and it changes one life, then I'm really happy but I don't get, um, I don't get like a dopamine fill or I got to go back and check and see how many people like something or comment. I, yeah. I don't, I, I just don't, it's not me. And I, I'll tell you what I do. I do get that. It's, it's, uh, I'm working on it. Um, yeah. but it, and it's, in, it, it, it's intoxicating for sure. It is. And I, and I also think, you know, you've kind of grown up with it. So like, I'm coming from a time when I remember the word, there was no internet. Not like I'm super old, but you know, I remember life before the internet. And I, you know, people made a difference and they made a difference in what they did through their work. And so there was no, I need people to look at me and comment and lie. Yeah, it's you, but your generation has grown up with this. And so, you know, and I'm seeing it with my daughter and it's a very unhealthy relationship with social media, very unhealthy. And I think it has a lot to do with a lot of the issues that we're seeing now. Um, raising a child like today, is, you know, I'm the first generation of, we're the first generation of parents who have to raise kids with digital lives. And um, I got to tell you, it was a challenge, a big challenge to um, be a parent and have to be the first generation to figure this out. Uh, how are we going to keep our kids safe? How is my daughter not going to go to sleep because she wasn't invited to something that she saw on Instagram? Oh my gosh, my sister. Uh, yeah. yeah it's, she, she, I, I can tell you that's a real thing. It's a real thing. And she, she changed schools because of it. <laughs> oh my god that's a terrible that's very sad that's how i'm very is she doing okay now well now she, yeah she she just finished her first year of private school and she actually did very very well i'm really happy to hear that yeah i mean i think people kids this technology has um really become a horrific part of their lives and you know when you see that they're seeing stuff that their brains are absolutely not ready for mm. um 
it's horrifying and it's very hard iPhone at eight years old, uh, <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and it's so hard because, you know, parents are in a bind because you don't want your kid to kind of go like behind your back and you want your kids to be able to feel like they fit in. But, you know, there's a there's a line and there's a time. I didn't give my daughter access to any of that until probably um, eighth grade. And it literally started out with a Instagram. And I said, you can only take pictures of things. Um, it was, I made her sign a contract. It was a very, we have a very open household. Um, I didn't want her getting in that trap of, you know, how many people are this and how many people are going to like this that I made. And it, pe- kids are defining themselves by these types of things. They're literally defining who they are when mm. they look at, you know, the stuff, when they look at these things or looking at other girls and, they're defining how they feel about themselves. It's literally creating their own like realm of who they are. I agree. And I can speak firsthand to that. I remember my freshman year of college when I was, for the first time in my life, I was quote unquote popular. I was cool for the first time mm-hmm. ever. And I went from, you know, in high school, 10 to 40 likes on a picture to overnight you know 150 then 200 then 300 then 450 mm-hmm. and i was like i was like wow this is great and i i became what i called at that time my instagram identity and my friend patrick would be like don't get too caught up in your instagram identity and uh mm-hmm. I, but i was it was like it was at that time freshman year 18 and 19 years old like that's who I was, my, my feed. And, and, and I thought about it all day. Like that's how I, it was, it was weird. It was really weird, Robin. Like an addiction becomes yeah, an addiction. Yeah, for sure. It becomes an addiction. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I could see it. I see it and I see it everywhere. I go to pick up my, I go to pick up my daughter at school. The kids are on their, they're not even talking. Like nobody is talking and they're all yeah. looking to see, did they like this? Did they come on? And it's, um, it's literally changed the trajectory of how that's why we're having such a hard problem with kids and dealing with life skills because they're so used to looking at their phone and looking at their own face and in their own world that they forgot that they're not aware that there's an entire world of real life around them. And um, I think this is where we're running into major issues. I think it's part of depression. I think it's part of the suicides we're seeing massively. Um, the kids being bullied online, um, those types of things, you know, these stories, they're tragic. Um, but measuring yourself by how people are, to, by how strangers also, how strangers are responding to what you say um, or create um, is not a good self-reflection or self-measurement of who you are. It's letting other people define who you are. And that's a problem. Absolutely. Uh, you know, People lit- literally live their lives just to post on social media, and that is not a good Mm-mm. thing. Uh, so, not Robin. Life. Not life. That's not real life. No, it's not real life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're not I, – I don't think when uh, – not that I've been 90 years old and on my deathbed, but I, I, I have a feeling that when I am, I don't think I'm going to wish for an extra hour on Instagram. Instagram. Right, or LinkedIn. I think I'm going to wish for an extra hour with 
XYZ person or that person or that experience, right? Right, right. Exactly. You know, and, you, and it sounds cliche, but it's true. Sorry. It's it's absolutely true. You're not going to be like, oh, my Twitter followers. Like, oh. you, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, really, these aren't people that, you know, like, you know, I mean, my verified judge. <laughs> my verified, yeah. Someone's like, do I, I'm like, I don't want that. I don't care. You know, unless somebody was. I almost had, I felt like I had to um I had to get a lawyer because I'm seeing my name show up in different places on things that I was not part of in education, um you know but it's kind of to talk kind of like legalize my name because I don't want people using my name on things I wasn't part of, but this whole persona of this person online is not real life. It's none of it is. Nobody's posting. You know, and I also think the other thing, too, where it's gotten a little extreme um, is where everyone's sharing everything. I mean, yes. there were some girls, like, crying on on LinkedIn, making these videos, and they were, like, bawling. And I'm like, you know, that's probably not the best idea. Whoa. Yeah. Like, you don't need to, you know, share. This is still a professional platform. And you know what? You don't know who's going to see this. This could be detrimental to your future big time. So I think there's also that, the you know, because we have a massive right now where, like, you know, we've got baby boomers, Gen Z, millennials, Gen, you know, my generation, Gen X. And so you've got a whole group of people of, that never, that did not grow up with technology, and you've got people who were born with it in their pocket. And so we have such a massive shift going on right now globally in regard to that. So, you know, people who are hiring or – you know, maybe the maybe the Gen Xers, they're kind of looking and be like, what you balling on there for? Like, there's got to be a professional line and a place where things stay personal and things, you know, are professional. Absolutely. Strange times, Robin. Yeah. But, but exciting to remember that, yes, it, it can be exciting and it can be very awesome and fulfilling mm-hmm. if and only if you design your life. Correct. That way. So Robin, as we begin to wrap up here, what, what excites you the most about what you're doing with, uh, with you, you know, your new program, your life school? Oh, thank, thanks for asking. Actually, we, I just got approved last week. Um, the, it's a nonprofit now. Um, so I'm in the midst of building this out and figuring out which way I want to go. Um, I've got some people who are really interested in um, supporting me financially. So I'm excited about that. And I'm in the middle of just, you know, figuring out what I, I have, you know, the, it's not really curriculum because I don't like to call it a class. It's a, it's a program, kind of a program where people can, you know, I really, really think it's important for kids who are like juniors and seniors in high school to start building out their LinkedIn profiles so that I agree. by the time that, you know, whether they it's trade school or college or whatever they choose to do, they've built out those relationships and they actually when they're finished, instead of sending resumes into a black hole, they have people that they can reach out to and be like, "Yes, right, where they've it's, it, seen it, their dig, growth." Uh huh. Dig the well before you're thirsty. Jordan Harbinger. This is this fit. This goes hand in hand. Yes. So that's that's one of the main things that I want to teach because I think it's so critical. And so yeah, I'm looking. Um, I'm going to be starting to reach out to different high schools and offering this and teaching kids how to do this because. Coming home after four years of school or even one year or whatever, um, or whatever you're doing, if you don't have a professional 
build, you know, something where people are seeing your growth over a course period of time. Um, I think it's absolutely critical. Those relationships should be built out before you're headed for whatever you're headed for. So that's my main, one of my main things that I want to teach. Um, and I was telling my daughter, my daughter's friends, and they're like, oh, what? So it's kind of helping them transition from using the internet for just personal reasons and communication to professional reasons and learning how to use the internet professionally. So that's um, one of my main goals for that program. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, Robin, we are here to support you with your life school. And I know that we're going to talk about it a lot in the future. We'll probably have you back on to talk about it again, like Don Wetrick. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I, I'm thrilled with it. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see it. And uh, it, it's like you and I are on the, on, we, we have the same sort of mindset here. So I, I endorse what you're doing. Uh, people can find you. Forbes on uh, Robin Shulman on Forbes. You can Google your name. It's the first thing that comes up. Ednewsdaily.com, ednewsdaily.com. And Robin Shulman on LinkedIn. Send a connection request. Or, or, or you might be maxed out. Hit, Actually, hit you know what's the, fu- the funny? I'm not. I'm not oh. maxed out. Isn't that interesting? Huh. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not maxed out because I'm um, kind of, I don't want to say particular, but I just, you know, I don't kind of connect with just everyone i don't you know want to stay kind of in my you know in my uh realm of expertise um where i feel like it can offer people the most value well hit follow (laughs) on robin's profile robin shulman i really enjoyed this conversation thank you so much thank you so much jordan i did too we'll be in touch soon There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of Growth Mindset University, the podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, all I ask is that you share it out to your friends, family, etc., on your Instagram story and tag me and our guest today. And don't forget to message our guest as well so that you build your network as you listen and learn with this podcast. And if you really believe that hearing the message of growth is important to the world and you want to help others find our show and you're not satisfied with just taking a screenshot and sharing this on your Instagram story, well, I've got good news for you. You can go the extra mile in helping spread this message of growth. You can leave us an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts. We have over 200 ratings right now and it has made a gigantic difference for this show, not only helping people find the show, but getting awesome guests. Thank you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn and grow to give.